0: Hey folks, this is Ian Foster, and this is If and When, a podcast where I talk to other creators about how and why they do their thing. To start, I'm talking to colleagues, friends, and veterans of the arts community at home here in Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada. These are not so much traditional interviews as they're a chat over coffee or something a little stronger. So come sit in and have a listen. Hey, thanks for tuning in. If this is your first time, thanks for checking it out. If it's not, thanks for coming back. If it is your first time, go back and listen to part one, of course, first, before you listen to this episode, part two of my conversation with Newfoundland poet Agnes Walsh. She's a super interesting lady. We talked for a very long time, and this is the second half of that conversation. I think we touched on some of my favorite parts of this, in, in, in this part you're about to listen to, we get into not just uh, why we create, but also why we release. I think that they're different things. We, we dive into that. Because if you think about it, creating is something that you have to do, I think, at least for me. I have to write songs. I have to let off a bit of the steam out of the boiler by creating a sound or a lyric or trying to tell a story that really strikes me. Many of you probably know me as a songwriter, but I've written short stories over the years. I've directed a few short films. I produce music for people, which I think that probably borders the most on something people think, well, that's that's part of a job that you do, but it is very, very creatively fulfilling to do, to do that work, and it all helps me just process... Uh, what I'm going through in this life and and what my purpose is to be here. Uh, and and that's, that's all cool, but I, I did those things and the fulfilling part of doing those things often came in the making of those things. And then there was something different that happened when I released them. I'm not saying it's not fulfilling to release something out into the world. Of course it is. And obviously nice to get a pat on the back if people like it. But I think it's an interesting question to ask why we do it. Is it as simple as we want to get paid? Is it something else? Is that part of the art? Are we trying to communicate what we're making with somebody else because that is fulfilling somehow? Obviously, egotistically, but maybe outside of the ego. I'm not sure. It's one of the big questions of this podcast, I guess. So Agnes and I get into that a bunch, and then we get into... The Newfoundland identity. And there's some really interesting stuff in there, I think, about how we see ourselves. Certainly questions I've had over the years about what a modern Newfoundlander is and where we fit with the past, trying to walk alongside it, not run away from it, not push back. What do we do? I hope you enjoy this chat with Agnes Walsh. Here it is, part two. Obviously, you have an editor. How does that work? What's that relationship for you like?
1: I've had really good editors that I'm happy with, like Stan. Twice, Stan also um, was on the editorial board. I think when Going Around with Bachelors was published with Brick Books, and um, uh, Stan's pretty good because he um, he uh, his question is always, "What are you trying to say?" Uh, and then I'll say and. Uh, tell him, and he'll go, Oh, geez, I didn't get that at all, but no, let's leave it. You're right, you know. Right. And he said, That's the way your mind works. And I go, Well, now, wait a minute, Stan. Like, I, you know, if it's going to be published, I want people to understand it. Right. Maybe, maybe I don't. Don't right. help me with it. Okay. You know, so there's that kind of talk back and forth. And um, um, things like me saying, Okay, so Stan, like, there's something wrong here in this poem. It's not laid out right. I can't get the rhythm to work with the way it's there and he'll write me back and say how about this and i'll I'll go wow fantastic that's it so in a way he's placed the poem for me mm. with maybe one or two poems that i just couldn't get or um or, or just maybe using a word and saying stan i'm just not happy with that word but i have gone i just don't know what else to put there mm. and he might just come back to me a couple of days later with a word or two, and maybe none of them are right. Maybe mm. maybe one is maybe. Usually with stuff like that, I can't get anybody to give that to me. But it, I you know, people will give me a couple of words, and I'll go no, no, that's not it, that's not it. And then some. If I just go to bed and sleep on it, it'll come to me.
0: Right. The idea of you know it being a bit of a dialogue, like a really trusted dialogue, is mm-hmm. is the best form yeah. of criticism because again relating it back to music if someone says to you like i feel like there's an energy missing in this song mm-hmm. you know you're sort of like is that in the performance or is it because the snare drum is not loud enough like there's all mm-hmm. kinds of yeah. and and it, it's a trial and error it's not a there's mm-hmm. never a simple answer just like in yeah. poetry if someone says to you i'm not sure what you're trying to say in this poem mm-hmm. Are are you like, well, I'll put in a footnote? Like obviously that's not the answer. No, so so right. you have to try yeah. to figure it's almost like posing questions to try to, to come to a conclusion, you know? Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I mean, think about like somebody like John Coltrane or Miles Davis, you know? I mean, that music when I first heard that music, I, I was fourteen. I was babysitting for a black couple on in on the base in Argentia, and they left used to have all their albums. remember leaned up against the walls. And um, um, when I would put the kids to bed, I would just look and i go, I don't know, had no idea who anybody was. Mm. And I thought, well, I'm just going to start. I asked the, the father if I could play his albums, and he, taught, he showed me how to play them carefully. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, just, I, I can still remember the first time I heard Miles Davis or, or John Coltrane or Sonny Rollins just going... I don't know what in the hell this is, but it did something to me. Like it, I, I could almost feel something happening in my brain. Like that was going, okay, let's shift over now. This is going to be another part of your brain that you, you know, just got to go with it, and maybe you can get it. And poetry is like poetry is like jazz to me in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it was just. You know, I remember my mother saying, on oh, how you can listen to that stuff, it just sounds like elephants running through jungles and <laughs> yeah, stuff. And, yeah. You know, it's like, well, you know, like The Bitches Brew was my all-time uh, favorite okay. album. Okay, some you know? adventurous stuff. Oh, I yeah. love that album. That's my my when I drive to the Cape shore, two hour drive, I love putting that on. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but so I'm just imagining for some uh,
0: reason, stopping in the Clarenville, Tim Hortons and wine in the window and just bitches brew coming out. And just the <laughs> yeah. Reaction of someone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, this is your driving music. You know? Oh yeah. It's uh, best kind of driving music. <laughs> I love it too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: but that's, you know, and that like, uh, for me, there's such a strong connection between jazz and poetry because I don't, you know, I mean, I'm not, you know, Billie Holiday singing a song is, is jazz, but somebody playing the way that those guys did, and that's my favorite time of jazz, is, is the 50s, 60s, 70s, you know. Mm-hmm. I chased Miles Davis all over the States and never got to hear him once. That's one of my biggest regrets of living in America. Mm-hmm. I never got to hear him live. He kept canceling out. I think that was the time when he was really heavy into dope, mm-hmm. and he kept canceling a lot. Mm. But... Um, I don't know where, how did I get on that? I listen to jazz every night. Maybe that's how come I got onto it. Well, we're talking
0: a little bit about, like I said, criticism and, and validation. And I just, I I here, here's sort of a, a kind of a follow-up about about that. So um, I think most artists create for a generally similar reason. You know, the often answer is because they have to. There, there's an outlet that they, they have to have. Uh, I, I know, I'm sure there's many reasons people create, but that seems to be one that you sort of, it can be derived back down to mm. um but then there's sort of i think the sometimes different answer which is why publish or why release mm. like obviously if you're doing it because you have to you're doing it because you know the the actual creation of that should fulfill mm. that that goal
1: well I mean, i think it's a job you mm. know it's like how do we get paid Mm -hmm. If I don't put a book out, I'm not going to get any grants. (laughs) Right, And I mean, in a way, we got to, there's a point in our lives, maybe back in our 20s or something, when we think, oh boy, I'm in this now. I'm not teaching at the university, I'm in this. Mm -hmm. And you got to kind of, you got to kind of go, right? And, um, you know, it's... And, you know, and it is, it is, I think artists, I think, you know, what's your job? I remember Andy Jones saying, you know, out in Hans Harbor where he has a home and people out there would say, you know, what's your work, buddy? And he'd say, I'm an actor. Yeah. What else do you do Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: though?
1: And it's like, I love saying when somebody asks me, what do you do? I'm a poet. It's like, whoa, What? Like in this day and age, to call yourself a poet? Right. I purposely don't say writer. I love saying poet. Right. Because it throws people off. Oh, well, they think, oh, yeah, you write nice poems and stuff. No, 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 I'm a published poet. I'm a poet. Totally. <laughs> I've thought
0: actively about this because my, my dad is a model maker. That's his professional oh. ho, hob, or, Well, it's his hobby as well as his job that he worked at the university for, he's retired now, but he, uh-huh. for 30 years he worked wow. as a model maker. And I've joked to people that uh, I do a very different thing than my father, but it's similar. I work uh-huh. in a job that will immediately have follow-up questions when people ask me what yeah. it is. Like if I say yeah. I'm a musician there will never be a similar, there will never be two responses that are the same to that. No. It'll either, it could be reverence, it could be a laugh, it yeah. could be anything in between, yeah. right? And it will always be like completely called from people's uh, hilariously different contexts of what that means. it would be mm-hmm. like, whoa, I've got a buddy who plays guitar yeah. too, right? Yeah, yeah. Or like, oh, you play down in the clubs and it might not be any of those things mm-hmm. or it might be like, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and the same with my dad, like he, he, what he did was essentially lots of things you know he, he built everything from you know a clock for the president's desk to uh, a model to test on the wave tank before they send it out to hibernia of a ship mm-hmm. you know and everything in between it was one of those jobs
1: it's a lot of explaining He'd yeah a that. lot of explaining
0: <laughs> before and, and it always I, I find hilariously yields the, the same response where by the end people are sort of like they look like they they wish they hadn't asked a little bit like they're a little bit like oh okay mm-hmm. I think I sort of get it yeah <laughs> couldn't you have just said yeah. dentist or whatever
1: yeah that's true couldn't you have made something up <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
0: Sometimes you almost want to, because you're like, I don't know if I want to get into this for five minutes when someone just asked me. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Basically, they were making small talk, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, can I ask you something? Sure. Like, when you were young, and like, didn't, did you find that when you realized that music, that you maybe would like to make music your life, didn't you, did you find a, a nice freedom in that?
0: Uh, I did. Uh, I was, my, my arc was that I have a degree in English from Mm -hmm. the university and I worked, uh, at the Muse as the arts editor and did some freelance for the Telegram and CBC and a few things in that, those years of university. Mm -hmm. And in my final year, I was getting ready to apply to journalism school. Like that Mm -hmm. was the route that I was sort Mm -hmm. of on. And looking back now... I think I was smart enough to realize that luckily that year as well was that I basically all, I would always give away all of the stories that weren't like interviewing musicians to the other writers. Like, but even as the editor mm. who could just give away all the stories, because you know, the, the, that mm-hmm. was the job I would always be like, no, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to do my job. Mm. Plus do this interview this week. Or like I do an English course and it would be, you know, uh, literature from 1925 to 1950 and Mm -hmm. i would be like i think i'm gonna the the teacher would be like you could do a paper on anything related to this period Mm -hmm. and i'd be like i think my paper would be on the jazz age Mm -hmm. you know whereas most people were writing about one of the books yeah you know and Mm -hmm. i sort of came to the conclusion that everything in my life like i just wanted it to be about music Mm -hmm. even the journalism side of things i love communicating and talking to people Mm -hmm. but i kind of wanted to be on the other side of that that microphone, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to be the yeah. person making stuff, mm-hmm. and if I was going to talk to people, it was going to be about making stuff mm-hmm. instead of just kind of reporting on something that that was made. Yeah, and so that that yeah. was the moment that yeah. I sort of chose that that should happen. Yeah, and yeah, it was it was freeing and it was terrifying because I had been raised in with a sort of a group of friends and just that general community that thought. But like, what's your job though? Like, mm-hmm. how will you, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. how will you make money? Yeah. And right from the start, I had to sort of figure yeah. all that out for myself. Well, and, that's and learn, it. You know. and sometimes
1: I kicked myself that I that I didn't go ahead and go for a master's and then end up teaching because I know I would have loved that and life would have been a hell of a lot easier for me financially mm-hmm. um, instead of always having to hustle work, hustle, 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 do this, do that, and and um, you know. I, I try to tell my kids, you know, like, just, you know, go ahead. And, you know, like, there's no such thing as a useless university degree either, mm-hmm. because you're you're learning as you're doing it. And, and learning was always something I wanted to do from when I was really young. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, you know, I think, I mean, I think artists, you know, I guess, you know, this is a common enough thing to say that, we almost we don't really decide what we're doing, you know. Like, I think you you know we're really you definitely we have to be born that way, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. I, I um I remember too in my twenties when you know I was going through a lot of angst and and I thought oh I think I better go see a therapist you know I'm really fucked up and uh, I, and I remember talking to this this medical this doctor this psychiatrist and saying. I just don't know what to do because I feel like I can't even look at that snow falling without feeling intensely like I have to write about it. Mm. And he just said, Agnes, you're really driving yourself crazy. Like, you've got to stop this. And I never thought he would say that. I never thought anyone would say. And then and I said, and do what? And then I went, okay, I've answered my own question. I said, thank you very much. Here's $500. I'm out of here. (laughs) And I went, just stop getting so uptight about it. Just do it.
0: Mm. I, I joked that it's about, it's the same concept as uh, bitching about your age to someone. Mm. So the only people who will ever understand you bitching about your age are people exactly your age. Exactly, people one much. year older are like, shut up. And people yeah. one year younger are like, oh, yeah, I don't mm. want to be that. And yeah. so like, you, you know? know, and it's the same yeah. in the arts. Like if you, uh, you know, if I was complaining to a musician who doesn't have some of the opportunities I've had. They're just going to be like, "Really, dude? You're complaining about this?" Yeah. And then yeah. the people at another stage would be like, "Yeah, that's tough." That's right. And so you're yeah. sort of lonely. You feel yeah. like you don't have the exact relation yeah. of, you know, you 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 want that misery loves company, but you yeah. you, you you yeah it's just trying yeah. to trying to find trying to to understand your place as an artist and and that it's okay to be where you are and trying to make mm. it work that's yeah. a challenge for a lot of artists and i think we yeah. spend way too much time thinking about that as professional artists yeah. compared to what we did when we started which was just trying to make stuff and be happy that we made yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's you know? right.
1: Exactly. I mean, I'm I'm staying afloat. You know, I'm not starving to death. I <laughs> you know, I can meet my bills. And uh, gee, yeah, n- another great thing about being an artist. Like, I was talking to somebody um, the other day, and he was saying, like, like how can how do you do it? How do you do it? And he said, like, why why did you stick with it? When it was so rough, and I said, "Well, because like I got sent to Portugal and did a tour with Pamela Morgan and Nita Best. I mean, doesn't get any better than that in exactly. my book." Yeah. And that makes like, but he couldn't like, because he's a he's a laborer, you know, he's a hands-on guy, and he just no. When it, when I do something, I'm getting paid. And he said, oh, I'm not doing it." You right. Know? And he said, "Like I can't believe you're doing all this shit and you're not getting paid for it." And I said, "I well, like, I, you know, you got to be born into this stuff. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's got to be something that." You just go, of course, you know, of course I want to do this. Of course I want to do that. Of course I want to, you know, do a benefit. Of course, you know, I mean, those things, you know, I mean, I do a benefit just because myself and Ron Hines are backstage talking, you yeah. know, that's paying off <laughs> because I know I'm going to have a good conversation. Totally. Funny, it's, it's everybody, I, you know, everybody values the world differently, I guess, values what's in it. Um, I talked to my daughter, she's only 29 but she was saying to me the other day I said Simone I've I've talked a lot about death haven't I all my life and she said yeah I mean, you talk about death a lot but she said I've never met you met anyone who loves life more than you right and I thought I got a I got a poem in there got a poem in there I still got to figure it out uh and it's true like you know I'll go out of my way to see a sunset I'll, I'll go out of I'll freeze to death to look at the full moon I uh I'll starve and buy a carnations and you know right. beauty I mean I, I don't I've never met an artist who doesn't like beauty totally, even if that beauty, even if your sense of beauty might be ugly to me, mm-hmm. we can all go, well, I get that, you know like mm. um, thank God that there's painters say that can make something very ugly because it'll show me something I've never seen before. Right. Uh, where you know where maybe vulgarity can be like whoa, and then you go oh okay you know go into it it's okay yeah um, and I you know I I can't I the contributions of artists I mean. Everybody goes, like, I, I know accountants who are into accounting because they love it. Now, dentists, I don't get that one at all. Mm. Like, I don't get somebody looking in your mouth eight mm. hours a day. Boy, that's weird to me. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh,
0: they, they, and they always talk about all the cruises they go on. And I'm like, I understand why. That's the, that's the reason I'd, oh, that's the only thing right. I conceptualize. I'm like, I guess it's the money. <laughs> I it's guess got, it's, oh, it's That's but,
1: one thing where you know, it's got to be the money. But, but
0: imagine, it? but imagine mm-hmm. that you're looking at someone's mouth and all you're thinking about is, can't wait to go on that cruise in three months. And I'm like, but what about the three months between now and then? Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a way to live.
1: But in, maybe uh, yeah. they really love it. You know, who's to say? Yeah. I mean, well, this is the grass is yeah. always
0: greener problem. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I've made the joke, and I'm sure you'll relate to this, that someone will be like, you know, what are you, you know, what are you doing right now in the winter months? And you're like, oh, you know, my main instrument is my laptop. You know, I'm filling mm. out grant applications or yeah. whatever. Like, you're finding mm-hmm. the ways to make it work. Yeah. And and people would be like, that sounds like hell. Yeah. And in a way, it is. It and is. In another way, yeah. it's like, well, it's the means to an end to let you do the thing that you yeah. need to do and exactly. have those experiences.
1: Well, I don't think I would have gotten around traveled I'm not much of a tourist so like I love the idea of going somewhere and presenting something to someone and then having like say poets come out and hear your work in Belfast or something and going wow like and then you end up being lifelong friends with poets from Belfast or this all that stuff is um that you know I guess we all got to figure out what's important to us.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And for some of us, there was no turning back. And there's some I know people who started off acting and then just you know had to, they couldn't do it because they the money you know they couldn't see themselves just relying upon that. Right. So.
0: Yeah. No. It has to be down to the person. I mean, a story that I've now told quite a bit live. You know, just reminded me then when you talked about those moments you turn to. You know. Um one of the, the earliest ones for me was my first solo record. I, I put out a song called Red Skies um, that was about my uh, grandparents on my father's side from the war. My grandfather, Foster, served mm-hmm. in Italy and mm-hmm. fought in the war. And my grandmother uh, wrote him a letter every single day that he was overseas and numbered all the envelopes. So mm. he would know if he missed one. Oh, wow. And uh, and he would write her, obviously, when whenever he could. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and so the song is is, you know, based on that um and the first tour i ever did out of canada was in italy and i played this i always tell this story on stage i say you know uh, my first show was in a castle in a town called reverie in mantua and as someone who at the time was playing at the rose and thistle a castle was a step up in venue Mm. quality (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know it was an incredible experience of just like where am i what am i doing yeah and and i wrote my dad you know that day and said you know here's all the stuff that's gone on and the band is rehearsed here and the booker is driving us to this gig and here's where it is. And just kind of, you know, and he wrote me back and he said that he looked it up on the map and this town was sort of right along where the Gothic line would have been in the second world war. And he's like, this is where your grandfather would have fought, where he would Uh, have seen action. And so it's, it's, I, I've i thought about that so often obviously since then you know every time I play that song that mm-hmm. somehow just the ability to create this thing sitting in a house in Newfoundland mm-hmm. about my grandfather and then to go half a world away and happen to mm-hmm. play it in that place like there's just a weight yeah. to that that I you know that's the x factor that's the yeah you, you know. I think
1: oh, I think artists I think we must be really sentimental and romantic and have all these soft spots in us eh? I mean yeah but well, you know that sort of thing was really important to you
0: mm-hmm. so you know, but completely on plan like there was no mm-hmm. I suppose I could have said, well, I want to go do that. I could have set out to do that mm-hmm. you know, because that would be possible in theory, you mm-hmm. know that you would be like, well, I'm going to trace my family history yeah. and build a tour. I mean it's ultimately yeah. those are those are non-romantic technical gears to turn I'm gonna right. seek a booker and I'm gonna book in this town yeah when that stuff happens it it just feels different you yeah. know when it's unplanned I don't yeah. know that's where you sort of feel like I don't know. I, again, it's sentimental, to say, to some invisible hand. You know, I don't necessarily believe mm. that per se, but yeah. I don't know. It's hard not to stand in awe or just kind of go, wow, that connection. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm just being, I'm just, I'm just a tourist here in a different way than, the tr- you know, you know what I yeah. mean? Like an, yeah. a, a metaphorical tourist. I'm just yeah. kind of moving along here. Yeah. You know?
1: Well, yeah. And, it's, you know, the need to talk about all of that, too, is something I find pretty interesting, you know, mm. that when I, I go back to this Konisgar book, cause I'm reading it now, I guess. And, um, like, I think, holy Christ, like he's, like, he's, he's talking about all this stuff. He's talking about how he thinks about things that he comes upon every day. Uh, like maybe he's, tr- you know, as a Norwegian, he's trying to figure out Hitler, uh, or I mean, then there's, Thousands of other things, and I think, wow, what a what a great thing to be a writer to, you know, to be so driven to get your thoughts out on paper. You know, um, um, I don't know. To me, that's just a, a great thing, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of people don't talk about their inner lives, and I think everybody's inner life is just so specifically different than anybody else's, and it's there's so much. Beauty in that, you know. There's that old phrase. There's no such thing as an ordinary life, and uh, right. I think being a writer writers, artists. I think you know we want to get in there and put our hands in and mess around in there and haul it out and say, see, like you know, that's the way this is, and that's pretty cool, isn't it? And that's you know, I, you know, it's not that many. I you know, I mean, I can't think of any like artists who are like really heavy racist or you know mean spirited I, I i know i'm probably that's probably bullshit there probably is
0: tons but right. Right. <laughs> i
1: just i don't know i think you know, a lot of artists want to find beauty right even if we got to go through ugly to get well there. i think
0: empathy is a key part of the job yeah so, I suppose eh? yeah. so to do that like to tell any kind of story that's not just personally sentimental you know completely mm-hmm. And, and I, I've talked about this with music with a lot of artists where I've said like even Dylan and Springsteen and Cohen and these guys maybe one full album of truly autobiographical material across all their albums. Like mm-hmm. all the guys who are and girls who are writing uh, in a career way who we hold up mm-hmm. as, you know, pivotal writers mm-hmm. in, in, in in those genres that are any kind of like character and story is part of the lyric Mm -hmm. there it's always it's always about you know empathy and telling another person's story and yeah you know i mean one of my favorite springsteen records is devils and dust which is a kind of one of his less popular relatively speaking Mm -hmm. and i mean that record deals a lot with mothers and sons it deals with um the u.s mexico border songs about this you know like this like people who are not bruce you know the mm-hmm. the rich guy now from new jersey this was like yeah. an early 2000s record i mean he had long been established as yeah. someone who could get up every day and have his breakfast served to him by a butler but he's yeah. writing these stories that are completely believable because yeah. he's a good storyteller who's tried to put himself in those places yeah i think is if you've done that successfully it would be hard to then turn around and mm-hmm. you know yeah be racist against someone that you'd yeah. spent enough time thinking about to go They're a person and this is their struggle. Yeah. You know?
1: That's right. Yeah. And I suppose that's what, you know, is inside of us that needs to get out. You know, I mean, we all don't have to have troubled childhoods or anything like that, but maybe we see things in the world that we see. As injustice. And then we go, well, I guess there's a lot of that out there. And so I'm going to keep in tune and look at that. And then you go, oh, I've got to talk about this or I've got to write about it. I've got to sing about it. You know, it's I think it it goes with the territory, I guess. Yeah, that dovetails
0: nicely into something I was going to ask you about, Mm -hmm. which is um, that... I guess it's been said that your writing deals with restoring dignity to Newfoundland that you felt Mm. like it should always have had. This was Mm. a version of a quote that I read. I'm I'm curious if you, first of all, agree with that or not.
1: (laughs) Restoring dignity. Hmm. I wonder, did I say that?
0: (laughs) It was, I believe it was uh, in a bio on, I believe it might have been Stan Draglin who said that. Oh, okay. Because I think it was a heritage bio about you and and your writing uh you know related to the Percy james poem right you know yeah uh, yeah that that, and and dealing with i guess those subjects that we as newfoundlanders have talked about a lot right Mm -hmm. the idea that we're our own country yeah that there's you know those kind of bigger bigger ones yeah Yeah.
1: well i I, you know i think that um going back again uh, in time for myself um I, I had to, I guess, leave. Like, when I left Newfoundland, in lots of ways, I couldn't get over that people spoke English differently. Like, I loved the sound of the way New Yorkers talked and the way people from Mississippi talked. And then when I came back home, I went, oh my God, like, we talk different too, mm-hmm. you know? And I never knew that for 16 years of my life. I didn't know that we talked different than anybody. Right. And um, I was lucky enough then to be on the Cape Shore, you know, about a half hour's drive from Placentia, where I, I bought a home. And I was there because of the rhythms of speech. I mean, the landscape is beautiful, but when I heard that rhythms of speech on the Cape Shore, it was like I, it was, I was tumbling into love, completely tumbling into love all the time, all the time, all the time. Still am. Went to visit somebody out there about a month ago, man I've known for years, and all of a sudden it was like oh i could live with you i could you know he's he's married he's perfectly happy <laughs> but but just to hear him talk and right and that's always been a big thing with me with right. for writing i you know as a matter of fact, I think like, you know, maybe we all just say the same things over and over, you know, writers. Um, and then I think I should really break away and you know, I should try to do something different, but I keep coming back to those things. I keep coming back to, uh, how Newfoundland is. Yeah. There's so much that really angers me, you know, about, I think in a lot of ways where we take a lot of crap, you know, lying down mm-hmm. and, uh, and now that there's Facebook, we're all bitching about all the injustices. But, you know, my mother, she remembers, you know, when they hauled the piano out of the colonial building and bet it up because they were starving. Mm. You know, and chasing after politicians with rocks. And you know, would we, any of us do that today? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't
0: know. It's, we would post a link about it on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's uh, yeah. as they use the term now, I guess, virtue signaling, right? It's the idea that you would. In, a, in an age of perpetual outrage and and the idea that you could log into Twitter or Facebook and have a stream of people posting yeah. anything of, look yeah. at this abused puppy to, you know, some major political story to that's going Nalcor, on. Or, yeah, and and inevitably, story. you're going to look at a picture of an abused puppy and go, that makes me very upset and angry. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. But then people go, they'll share the link and go, this is horrible. And yeah. everyone will go, yeah, abused puppies, that is terrible. Mm-hmm. But then nothing yeah. happened, you know, like, yeah. and, and, I, and I think obviously mm-hmm. there are still amazing things going on there. Are, I think there, the, you know, it's not black and white, obviously, like, mm-hmm. you know, stuff that starts online has had real world implications in really positive ways in terms of certain mm-hmm. kinds of protests and actual yeah. social justice work getting done. Yeah. But I think that it's exhausting for the most part. Mm-hmm. And that for a lot of people, it means sharing a link and sort of feeling like, mm-hmm. well, I guess I did something. Yeah. But we all can't fight for 11 causes a day.
1: No. And I, you know, in my teens, my late teens, I mean, I, I marched uh, anti Vietnam and, and civil rights and all of that. And I just did it because I felt it so strongly. But, um, you know, another thing that kind of really pisses me off, too, about like Newfoundland culture now, you know, it's, it's, it's bought and sold, you know, it's, um, I just, I cringe when I go past the Newfoundland chocolate factory and see their little sayings on their you know on their chocolates or I don't even know cuz I don't eat I don't like their chocolate anyway but mm-hmm. um but so it's like this podcast
0: know. is sponsored by the <laughs> right I'm just kidding <laughs> oops <laughs> go on <laughs> they're my neighbors too I better be careful <laughs> they
1: might start pounding chocolate at my house right. which I don't like <laughs> oh I'm a chocolate snob um but you know everything is—it's like you know now it's a kitchen party. It's not a party in the kitchen. You know it, that wasn't even talked about. Just come into the house, and now it's a kitchen party. I would when I had my theater company, I would never allow that kind of talk. I hated it. No, we're not having a kitchen party. Right. That's no, I'm not. Um
0: I'm going to go out on a limb and assume you love the word newfie. Just kidding.
1: Oh yeah, that's my face. Yes, that should be on those yeah. chocolate bars. It know. may be. I, <laughs> it don't may know. Probably, I wouldn't doubt it yeah no i i can't i just i can't handle it it I don't know why it bothers me so much, but I feel like it's all being commodified and boy, I tell you like the i out around the bay you know i I hear people say, Oh, you know, the townies, you know and it's and and it's like yeah, you know, I don't blame you for being pissed off at the attitude in St John's, and you know well, they've stolen it all, you know it's almost like you know the way we could get with come from a ways or something you know it's uh, so i i listen out around the bay and hear people say these things and i think yeah it's um we you know who are we anymore mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. uh, i almost feel like you know being an american as opposed to a newfoundlander because it's just so removed from me
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i think there's some really interesting dialogue going on about this right now mm-hmm. i think um I think Fogo Island is a really interesting um, uh, place w- related to some of this because, um, you know, it's an island where uh, the fishery disappeared. The island was struggling a lot. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Fogo Island Inn has happened. Mm-hmm. It does do a lot of good uh, for you know hiring yep. locals, but there's a rub there. You know, there's mm-hmm. the idea that you know you're selling a version of Fogo Island. Yeah. to people that can be essentially thought of as a vacation package. Mm-hmm. But without that, that island yeah. might have been depopulated by now if if yeah. some of those things yeah. hadn't started to happen.
1: Yeah. I, I think that Zita Cobb had really good intentions. Mm-hmm. I know that because I, I've talked with her a lot about that stuff. I went up there and, and did some work for her myself and I saw what she was doing and I thought, no, this is good. Now there And there's always a bit of bad with the good, but I think it's more good and bad. I agree know? with, you. and I think. See, we all, as Newfoundlanders, we'd all say, "Well, I, I wouldn't have done it that way, okay?" Yeah. You know, but she did it her way,
0: and she's still living in her family's home from that. That's like, right. This is yeah. not. That's why I think Fogo is specifically an interesting microcosm of this because it's a really, it's a many pronged mm-hmm. scenario, isn't it? Yeah. It's never as simple yeah. as uh, we got to restore it to the original thing, or mm-hmm. we're going to replace it completely. Like it's always gradations.
1: Well, okay. you know, when I was up there uh, and before the inn and the studios and everything were built and uh, Zita was telling me about her plans and she said, I'm I'm going to bring over some of the, what do you call them, the blueprints and show them to you. And then she left and I thought, oh, shit, like, you know, uh, like I, I just hope to God it's not what I think it's going to be. Like, is she going to do that? cute little imitation salt box stuff everywhere. She's going to do all that fake heritage stuff. And then she came over with these incredible, you know, Scandinavian type design buildings. Mm -hmm. And I went out of my mind. I said, oh, my God, thank God. These are beautiful. These are fantastic. Like it, it just, it elevates us up to the next step. It's just, and there's no fake heritage crap about those buildings anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, which I loved.
0: Totally. Yeah it's uh it's 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 hard to it's hard to grow sometimes and not grow into that i think that's yeah. that's the struggle we're mm-hmm. we're facing as an island right now yeah um because you know it's uh, yeah i mean as as someone i have i have a song that's related to this that i played shows called an open letter from the island and it's about years of touring and mm-hmm. encountering uh those those anecdotes, you know, Mm -hmm. like one I tell is about being in New Brunswick and halfway through the show, this woman shouted out, Ian, you have a lovely voice. And I said, thank you. And then she said, I was expecting some toothless new singing eyes, the buys that bills, the buys, but you're great. How do you, it's
1: so, how do you not like throw a glass at them?
0: Well, at the, you know, then, then (laughs) you sort of, you know how you, you know, you, you, you know, as I say yeah. at the shows, I always say my first thought was it's eyes the buys that build the boats, you idiot. We can't build other buys. Yeah. So that's my Newfoundland <laughs> yeah. science fiction novel. Eyes yeah. <laughs> that buys, the buys that builds a buys about cloning. Yeah. You know, and it's like you, you do the thing yeah. we Newfoundlanders do, which is you turn it into a joke. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm. poking fun back. Yeah. Letting them know that you're aware of what it is. That's right. and, and that's yeah. part of the, the art, too, of your yeah. sort of processing that and it comes out eventually as yeah. that and so yeah. much of our art is that right obviously yeah. like it's oh, yeah. codco and all that stuff it's yeah us taking in yeah. crap and putting back out putting this it response, back in such
1: you know? a great intelligent way you know yeah yeah
0: yeah that i still feel is not always gotten right that's this interesting thing no. about the newfoundland humor no and the idea that it's sort of like uh it's a version of how, you know, Pixar movies are like kids movies, but there's like the layer in there for adults. Yeah. It feels like sometimes Newfoundland humor is that. It's, it's that like there's way. still people are like, the silly thing with the accents. Yeah. And you're like, did you not see the other? Exactly. Yeah. No. Well, of-
1: when I had the, the theater group on the Cape Shore, um, it, it, it was all based on the oral history of the area. And I love doing that. Like I like, I had a little sort of a mini folk opera. Actually, Pam Morgan was our musical director. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I just really made sure that none of that stuff was in there, you mm-hmm. know? And because I thought no, there's there's a lot of beauty here that that's what I want to put and there's a lot of darkness and I want to put that forward also. Mm-hmm. And but I I was I always tried to be really really careful because it's such a a thin line, you know. Oh, like we taught we you'd have a kitchen party afterwards and I said, "Well, like you're welcome to have a drink if you'd like," but right. you know. That's, uh, we're not, I'm not presenting you anything, you know, this is, it's actually serious theater. It's, you know, it's, it's, we're not trying to get you in here and uh, get you to, you know, either come to this or you don't, I really don't care. You know, it would be good for the company and good for grants and everything. But mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm not, I, I don't want to, you know, be blowing your mind with how cute we are. Right. Because we're not. Right. You know, we're saucy fuckers. <laughs> God.
0: (laughs) You know, I I see the stuff that we're talking about and just trying not to to name, I guess, specific names here, but that tourism with the capital T stuff Mm. in certain environments. And then I think of that whole other side of the art that is, you know, a book of poetry by you or, you know, uh, know, uh, Christian Sparks uh, film, you know, like there's this, definitely this large contingent of newfoundland art that is acknowledging the place but doing it in a mm-hmm. in a really intelligent what's the real christian way. sparks uh it's uh cast no shadow that film oh, uh, with joel that. hines and and piercey mm. um you know and th- there's a bunch of other directors like justin mm-hmm. sims who i think do similar kind of work
1: yeah where... what was that film uh, um, crown and anchor too yeah yeah like matt that... wells i i thought uh, that that's that's about the best film I've seen
0: come out of Newfoundland. I actually haven't seen that film, but nice. I know the people involved quite well. Do you? Yeah. Uh, I,
1: my, myself and my daughter, uh, cause my daughter knew some people too. And she said, um, let's go see it. And I was just blown away. I thought this is great. Like, you know, I, I don't, I, I, I can't think of a Newfoundland film that I have liked. Hmm.
0: Talk you to know? me about that. Why not?
1: Well, I liked Faustus Big Good. Right. Um, but maybe I was prejudiced because you know I was of that time, and I no, I, I, it's a crazy little film, really. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> I don't know because the ones that I've seen are um, it, there's kind of there's there's this pseudo Newfoundland thing in it that mm. I don't feel that they've been really raw enough. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a I, there's a script that from one of my plays on the shore that. About it's about a codependency in a family. And I thought, I'm, I'm really going to see if I can get somebody to look at this. Because I think it's dark. It's dark, but there's, the, and the comedy that's in it is very black. It worked on the Cape Shore. It worked, worked lots of people from St. John's came out and saw it too. Mm-hmm. But um, I can't th- I just I can't think I don't I actually don't go to Newfoundland movies anymore because I just I always feel like I'm going to be really disappointed.
0: Mm. I don't fully disagree with you. I mean, Mm. certainly I I have seen some, like I said, that I think do a good job of acknowledging because I think it's still important to acknowledge the place. And that that's Mm. a challenge, too, of like, you don't want to be disingenuous about trying to push that out completely as like a reaction, Mm. I think, to Mm. To, to Newfoundlandia I mean the place is striking visually yeah. you know so it's yeah. it's fine to acknowledge that yeah but I I do think that um you know I think of similar places like some of the Irish films I've seen or obviously tons of the English stuff mm-hmm. are able to acknowledge both big and small towns in those places yeah. without ever feeling like the Mm -hmm. global stereotype we might hold about that place. That's right. And I think we're still, maybe we're, we're We're, just in a learning stage of that. I
1: think we are. And even the Irish are like some of the stuff that's come out of Ireland. I've gone, Oh boys, you know, like, come on. Right. Do we have to have a fucking fist fight again? You know? Yeah. Like over Guinness, you know? yeah. (laughs) uh, It's just, I don't know. Um, Well, England is just so well ahead on all fronts. Um, um, But yeah, I don't. It it all bothers me. I love to see people working. (laughs) You know, it's people are doing great things. Joel is working away. That's great. Uh, I haven't watched Little Dog. The Mm -hmm. little parts that I've seen, I haven't been interested. Uh, Mm -hmm. Republic of Doyle. All that. Oh, I just couldn't. I just walked away from fifteen minutes of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I can't think, maybe I, maybe there's other films, but I can't think of any other than The Crown and Anchor, because I just thought it was dealing with something, and, um, I felt like it, I felt like I could have been anywhere, and I think that's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah if a film can show that
0: do you do you find these same issues in poetry do you find them in music or is it literally film from here that you see that most in
1: a lot of the music drives me crazy
0: oh yeah yeah we'll oh, talk yeah. about that
1: <laughs> does that mean i, I name names <laughs> <laughs>
0: you can't yeah, we'll, we'll you bleep to. them you'll be like did you bleep cursing no no we left the cursing in we bleep <laughs> <Okay>. the names <laughs> yeah in <laughs> the chocolate factory <laughs> um
1: it's you know i've Talk with Pam Morgan about this stuff a lot. You yeah. know, it. Um, to me, Pam just got it. You know, I mean, I, well, I before I moved back home, I went to Toronto for a year, and I heard about a group there. Ficky Duff was coming, mm-hmm. so I went out and I heard them, and I said, Phew, if this is going on back home, I'm going home. Mm-hmm. And they were big motivators for me to go back home. Sure, uh, and they've never done a false nothing false to me mm-hmm. you know that everything they've done is great and then and and from I,
0: my understanding it was before my time mm-hmm. they kind of suffered from that on the local scene like they oh, could yeah. go on tour and have a different experience mm-hmm. but downtown
1: downtown and out around like i remember one time they played out in placentia and it was like you know i remember this one old man said to me he said no he said you can't dance to it and I thought, I said, oh, I can, I can dance to it. I said, come on up and dance with me, you know, and got up, got him up on the floor and all that. And I understand how the old people didn't like it, but because it was rock and roll, it was rock and trad, you know, mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. there. And that was destroying their music, right. you know, in a way. Uh, I didn't feel that way at all. But... Um, uh, uh, and I, you know, uh, this stuff is touchy because I think it's opinions and tastes. It's of course. What, what I like, what I don't like. You know, I can't. I have no interest in Shaniganook and, and Irish descendants and uh, Great Big Sea. I mm. just have to turn it off right away. Mm. I, I, I don't. You know, I guess he can sing, but I don't like that kind of singing. Mm. Um, and it's not that I don't mind people roaring at me. I mean, I loved Frank Zappa and all that stuff. You know, it's like, yeah. The, Screaming Jay Hawkins, I love him. He's <laughs> great, but uh, I, I, I hate to see a ballad crucified. And but again, that's my own opinion. I think you're crucifying the girl that slighted me. Don't do it that way. Um, uh, yeah, I just so it's it's kind of it's raw, raw, fake music to mm. me. That's really opinionated, and I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings who might be listening.
0: <laughs> this is this is a we're having we're talking about opinions that's all okay. that's all good i yeah. like I like these conversations I find them interesting mm-hmm. I, i've i mean I obviously have a, a personal stake in this from my own career perspective and it's it's something that I've thought a lot about just just more you know setting not setting myself against anybody but mm-hmm. just more of trying to figure out as an artist where I fit into mm-hmm. that tapestry because yeah. I've never uh, I didn't grow up listening to traditional music. You know, mm-hmm. my parents listened to rock and roll. Yeah. You know. Uh, when I was a teenager I listened to Guns N' Roses and Metallica, mm-hmm. you know, and Bon Jovi. Yeah. And Brian Adams. You know. Okay. So it was this it was the style of the time. Yeah. You know. And as I got older, obviously, and especially once the internet happened, I mean there's mm. lots of bad about the internet. There's lots of great stuff. Oh, there's though. lots of great stuff. I mean, about that's it. when my yeah. because you could find like obscure bands Definitely. in Australia I love that it. had 500 yeah. fans on MySpace Yeah. and you could be like, "Now I'm influenced by this music." And suddenly like yeah. from a just creative standpoint, it's it's yeah. as you know as a writer, it's like the more you take in, the more the vocabulary is going to be to that's mash right. it all together and put that's out something right. that's distinctly yeah. you, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um but it's been interesting because I am from here I do look around and am influenced by you know as much as I've, I've toured I'm here the majority of my life and so I'm taking in the experiences of what it's like to live here but writing about them in a style that references tons of music that's not from here mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's certainly less digestible on a mainstream level than mm-hmm. writing in a traditional style and playing at a traditional club mm-hmm. and singing Newfoundland songs in yeah. newfoundland at a newfoundland club like yeah. that on paper is a very smart thing to do if you're looking to gig all the time sure. and make money yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. that's that's sort of a no-brainer you know yeah. but it's just never been where i've been from you know and mm. i feel like it's uh it, this is not me trying to be like i'm an outlier or anything like that it's it's like the people that mm. i hang out with and have beers with who are in their 30s and we're all living downtown and yeah. being newfoundlanders yeah but it's just that stuff the, the, the broad things we're talking about, not specific bands playing anywhere, but that stuff feels like it doesn't necessarily concern us. Like we're just, mm. we're living a life that is mm-hmm. what it is to be a Newfoundlander right now. Right. And yeah. I feel like that's listening to like British bands and, yeah. you know, like synth pop stuff that's on the radio right now and like yeah. all kinds of yeah. stuff that, that uh, has nothing to do with our culture. But I think that it can... But it can all be brought into our culture. I don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's exciting. I, I would love to, no. when you listen to like a, a, a Scottish synth pop band, wouldn't you want to hear that with a in a Newfoundland context? Oh, yeah. Which we sort of have at this yeah. point, like bands like Repartee yeah. or kind of versions of that. But yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. No, I know. And it's like, I mean, even like, you know, hip hop and, uh, you know, I mean, I find that really interesting. I'm watching that program now it follows the um, history of hip-hop way back and you know and I remember when I started to watch it I thought well gee I know where hip-hop started it started with Gil Scott Heron Mm. (laughs) you know Mm. I I went to hear him one time and um, I'd never heard anything like that and then all of a sudden later on it uh, you know this music evolves that way Um, but um, yeah it's like you know it's, it's so touchy because um you know, I've been in positions, you know, working with communities and they're trying to get like summer festivals on the go and they want to get the same old crowd. The same, And I think, you know, get somebody else. So, no, no, we can't do that. We won't make it. We won't draw in people, you know, and and a lot of times they're disappointed. I had that happen out in Arnold's Cove one time. I said, I don't think you should do that. And they did it. And they the next day they said they played for half an hour left the stage they walked away with five thousand bucks yeah pam morgan would never do that guys you know she would not do it and maybe she wouldn't get the crowd you know up and going the same way you know it's what they needed for the time i get that but um you know it's touchy (laughs) it's all it's very touchy isn't it
0: it's a real it's it's a challenge there's no doubt about it and uh um, I mean, that stuff, you know, just, uh, it evolves over time. I mean, I've gone to a lot of uh, kind of folk conferences and things over the last few mm-hmm. years. And I, you know, and again, these are all giant discussions, but I find even folk music to be a really interesting term now. You know, we, you yeah. referenced hip hop. I kind of think that hip hop is, is the new folk music yeah you know in oh, terms it is. of like yeah, yeah. if you think back yeah. to yeah. stuff we've already talked about going yeah. to greenwich village yeah and seeing bob dylan play yeah. if you go to greenwich village now you'll pay uh, an exorbitant cover oh, to be yeah. in a bar that has a picture of bob dylan on the wall that says he was here one time yeah like that to me that's, is like that's the death knell of that thing it, that's absolutely. not that thing continuing yeah you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? oh definitely uh and the yeah. thing that's packing the clubs is not folk with a capital f that is you know the no. finger style storyteller stuff. As no. much as I love that music, yeah. it's yeah. sort of it's you know music of the people. Yeah, the very definition yeah. is, I guess, yeah. the music that is moving a lot of yeah. people.
1: I know? guess, yeah, you know, I, from, I don't, I didn't really grow up on like um, the old ballads. I mean, in Placentia, there was um, there was a big thing for Irish music and and like rebel songs, you mm-hmm. know. And even though like you know. <laughs> The War of Independence was fought a long time ago, and but still, the Michael Collins stuff is still strong. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I remember, you know, leaving Placentia and being aware of that. But but also, there would be people that would sing a long ballad every now and then at Christmas. Like a friend of my father's would come in or something. But not I wasn't exposed to it that much. But when I heard it, I loved it just as much as I loved Miles Davis. Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, what is that? You know, like, why do I... But it's like, I, I, yeah, I love a good George Jones song. Sure. Uh, yeah, I hear somebody on the radio, and I call my daughter, and I say, who's that? Like, that's really good. And it'll be, you know, she's 20, 20 29, so it's somebody from music from, that she knows. So it's... Um, there's a... None of those things are really connected, except for what, I wonder. I wonder mm-hmm. what
0: connects... That's a good question. Uh, I mean, something I've already said on this podcast before, a little anecdote, was I saw Richard Thompson speak about uh, talking about the old ballads and how he always goes back to that music. And of course, he's a great example of an artist who both, you know, has been loved by traditionalists because he's revived some of those 400-year-old songs, but he'll write rootsy rock and roll mm-hmm. new stuff I, I i really respect that about his writing mm-hmm. and he says he still always goes back to those old ballots because the crappy verses got phased out 300 years ago yeah <laughs> i thought that was a cool yeah. <laughs> you know like historical editing yeah. we'll call it you know yeah in, in the best kind of way yeah. not in a censorship way yeah. just in a way of uh, people just naturally in a a folkloric way sort of went you know this just this one doesn't hold up mustard that's right we don't love this verse that's why yeah. not you know we Get, figured it out drop Gotta, it yeah. yeah just cut no the fat bag. off it yeah you know? yeah so but but yeah. the song still sticks around because yeah. there's just something about the story
1: well yeah it's uh you know i i can hear a ballad i i can be brought to my knees you know it it could be an old murder ballad you know a francis james child ballad number 33 or something and I hear it. And, uh, you know, uh, of the Trois Corbys, uh, I hear that, and it's like, holy Jesus. And there's just certain songs that are so incredibly beautiful. Like there was a man on the Cape Shore by the name of Patsy Judge, and he sang the Blooming blooming Bright Star of Belle Isle. No, was that the Bob Dylan song?
0: I'm not sure, actually, Uh, yeah.
1: Anyway, Patsy Judge, Patrick Judge, Patsy, everybody called him, um, Uh, I taped him singing that and then I heard a guy from the Irish Descendants singing it and I had to rush over and turn it off because I thought you're like this is such a sensitive song you don't throw it out of your voice I I was really upset by it but and then I go back and I hear Patsy not because I knew him Pamela Morgan can sing "You Rambling Boys of Pleasure." What is it about that song that you know? I ask her when she sings. I go, "Don't sing that because I'm gonna be crying." And I, right. can't, you know. But I always... feel this
0: way about "Galway Shaw." Oh
1: yeah, I can get that. I, like, totally, I want, yeah. I want
0: to hear that yeah. in a hauntingly beautiful piano-based ballad. Yeah, I think it's a gorgeous song, yeah. and it it's is. a song of just like yeah. just sweet love and then loss. Yeah. And then, if you if you YouTube videos of that song, it will always be the pop pot walls yeah. thing, yeah, that is so fast yeah. and sort of just delivered. Like there's some good versions, but there's a ton of versions that I'm like, this feels so contrary to the purpose of this song. I'd love to
1: hear that done really in a beautiful way. You know? Wow. Reverby. Like Shenandoah. And... Like Van yeah. Morrison can do Shenandoah. Like, holy, you know? Yeah. Unbelievably beautiful. Yeah. Because he the feeling that he puts into it. And, and I mean, even um, Danny Boy. I mean, mm. I hear Danny Boy sometimes done just right for what I like. And I'm crying. Right. And that's what it should do. do you? <laughs> it yeah. should just go, "Whoop!" flush you right out.
0: Totally. Yeah. I feel like I could talk to you all day, Agnes. It's probably we, getting on. Now, we we kind it? of probably have. No? Yeah. 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 That's great. Um, I'd love for you, I would honestly love for you to read something to me from, if you okay. don't mind. No, I, yeah. I just brought
1: the one book. I don't know why I picked this. Book. Hey, maybe I'll read, um, read that poem, a poem that I wrote about myself and Anita and Pam being in Porto. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, this is actually when um Pam went back because she had to go to Japan, I think. And, uh, So myself and Anita decided to stay in Oporto for an extra couple of days. And it's called For Anita. In the soft rain there on that balcony in Oporto, all of us were happy, happy with expectation. This beautiful country so open for us, so full of us already. Take me back to that beautiful country, oh my heart. You and me, Anita, at the table with the Signora so severe and the chicken and the perfumed white wine, the bread, the ghost white cheese, that was enough. That was us in an afternoon, a lifetime of history behind us, on the heels of ourselves. Knowing we trailed after ghosts, that they lay in vaults, like bottles of old port hauled up to the light. We sat, expecting nothing and anything, and the ghost spoke because we cannot live unless they whisper, unless they shout and echo on the stone squares and bang into our hearts. Mm. It's sort of about the Portuguese, you know, being here and then being over there where they were and knowing 500 years of their history here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Thanks. Thanks, Agnes.
1: No, oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure. I enjoyed it.
0: And that's it. Wasn't she great? Thanks a lot for listening, folks. Please tune in again next week when my guest will be Pamela Morton.